And now, a special high witness report from the field. Uncle Weed, Uncle Weed, this is the Home Office. Are you there? Are you there? Do you read me? Calling Uncle Weed, calling Uncle Weed. Calling Uncle Weed, do you read me? being from the west coast of Canada in Vancouver we're, well, we're almost contractually obligated to tease about Toronto a little bit but I've ceased doing that to keep my karma on the good side of the ledger because I'm bound on a red eye for Toronto I'll be arriving there at 6 o'clock in the morning their time so that'll be about 3 o'clock in the morning my current time but since I was just in Austin, Texas two days ago or was that three days ago? Well, it depends on how you're counting them. So then that relative to Austin, that's well only an hour difference. So it'll all sort itself out, I'm sure. I, I just need to make sure I'm comfortable and prepared. So I'm wearing my uh, most comfortable socks. And I uh, just took a long hot shower and visited with the Happy Vappy for quite an extended period to get in the good groove for the late night flight. You know, it's... Uh, and really, I have nothing but joy and love for the good people of Toronto. And I'm looking forward to going out there because... Well, it turns out I hadn't even told uh, the sweetie this story, and it came up uh, last night when she was saying, now, where are you bound next? Because, you know, I've been kind of on the go, 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 right? Uh, and I said, Toronto. And, and I explained that in the summer of 1987, I lived in the Toronto suburb of Scarborough, and it turned into be like about an hour and a half long story. I'm going to give you the five-minute version, which is... A guy I'd met in, in Vancouver and later reconnected with in Utah had an idea for a window washing business in Toronto and all he needed was a lackey. And, and there I was. While I was there, I also made telephone calls in the middle of, this is in the middle of the summer to sell uh, heating, uh, like uh, furnace inspections, furnace repairs, whatever. It was a hard pitch when people are thinking about air conditioning, not furnaces. But uh, the good news was I was able to explore the many neighborhoods of Toronto and get to ride their excellent transit system. And lots of, you know, here in Vancouver is a lot of particularly Asian influence with the uh, immigration, both Southeast Asian. And, but there in Toronto is a lot more Caribbean and African influence, and I got to see a lot of reggae music and explore things as a, well, a, a significantly younger version of myself than I am now. But the last few days, I have done some recordings, but, you know, there's lots of gaps in between. I pretty much lost my voice for about three days in Austin, and I, it was reduced to a, a wee croak. And then the final night, well, there's no recording on that final morning after some late-night hijinks out at a pool. That resulted in about a, a 3 in the morning 911 call, a 4 in the morning hospital visit, 4.30 in the morning going to a hotel and calling someone from the, de the front desk to pick up a package for the afflicted who was convalescing, convalescing, what do you call that word, uh, in, in, uh, in the hospital. And, but due to insurance problems and the fact that this good old-fashioned socialism ain't swept the United States healthcare system yet, the 
young lady was saddled with an astronomical bill and the questions from the approximately 12 officials that barged into the house from sheriffs and paramedics and EMTs and firemen, you couldn't sort them all out, but I was wondering what the sheriffs were doing there. And they proceeded to act rather condescending at our juvenile delinquency, as it were, from, uh, well, there was more than one gray beard in the mix. Well, the good news is the injured is now transported to Portland under the care of an orthopedic surgeon and $12,000 later is now equipped with metal braces and pins in her leg, fulfilling her dream of being a cyborg. As for me, I, uh, it just made for a late night and a haggard trip home, but you can't help going home from Austin feeling a little bit burnt out. If you aren't, you haven't done it right enough. Now, <clears throat> I'm not going to fill in all the South by Southwest gaps. Well, there are a few because I can't remember what I told you. So, I'm, while it's still kind of fresh, there's a few things that were really important to mention. The trip out to Salt Lake, the barbecue place in Driftwood, Texas. I think I mentioned that one. The, uh, the breakfast at the Counter Cafe. I recorded most of my little spiels on the way to there. The late night in the Driscoll Hotel, the grand hotel filled with drunken revelry of geekery. The trip out with, uh, uh, with tattoo artists and yoga enthusiasts. Uh, out to the green belt and sitting alongside the river and putting together little packets of goodness and fun times for people. Uh, the, uh, the hanging out and party at Lance Armstrong's bike shop on more than one occasion and eating free barbecue dang near every night and occasionally even finding a salad. Uh, the big fun happened on the party bus, you know, loaded up this bus full of uh, renegades and drove around town from party to party, you know, with... Uh, and I hit a lot more, a more diverse variety of clubs, and mostly have fulfilled my mission of avoiding uh, covers and lines, almost with complete accuracy. Now, I didn't stick around for the rock and roll portion, the music portion, which also includes Flatstock, which is a poster art exhibition at South By, and those are some of my favorite parts of it, but what do you do, right? Um, but I did have a little bit of rock and roll fantasy camp just a few days before in Seattle on kind of part of this well, this whirlwind uh, roadshow junket, whatnot. It's a bit of variety of hotels. It seems the nicer the hotel room is, the less time I spend in it too, which is something I've got to change one of these days. And since I'm staying at something called the Royal York in Toronto, hopefully I can find some time to chill. But anyway, Seattle. Um, right across from the hotel, conveniently enough, was the new headquarters of Sub Pop Records. Now, I'm a big fan of Sub Pop Records since early days, you know, really started as a, a column in a, in a newspaper. I remember being in Spokane and Marty Kendall turning me on to an issue of The Rocket. I used to read The Rocket when living in Vancouver as a youngling. And there was this column in there. And I could be wrong on some of the details on this. And talking about all this new rising DIY kind of garage rock culture coming out of Seattle. And since then, I was kind of on tap and seeing these bands you know, over over the years that were associated with, with this label. And, uh, you know, this included some of the ones that went on to big famous uh, bits and pieces like Nirvana, who I saw live and, and was able to touch a significant uh, portions of their of their history. I've seen them before, Nevermind and all that, and before the, the big hoopla started. And usually when you see a rock and roll band, because I see a lot of them, you get a little jaded. You have this internal dialogue going on about well, it could be like this, and it could be like that, and that guy could be... this. I remember seeing just like a perfect rock and roll show. I was opening for Dinosaur Jr. But uh, I was also a huge fan of uh, Mud Honey, amongst all these others, and, and I won't go down the lobby list. 
So I went over to the Sub Pop headquarters, uh, and my buddy, uh, who's uh, I, runs all the, you know, the digital whatnots there, uh, took me on a private tour, and it was great because I got to see all the stuff that they put up on the walls, and they explained to me. And I'd been to the old Sub Pop headquarters in a whole different incarnation, a whole different era. The the uh, album is probably 1999, working with another internet project years ago, and that was a old building, jumbled mess, all chaotic. This is like all great little busy cubicles and hecticness, but mm, like all kinds of great stuff on the wall. All this ephemera from over the years was all now proudly displayed and framed and decorated the walls, including original photographs that have appeared on seminal albums by Tad and Nirvana and Mudhoney and uh, you know, all these all these stellar bands throughout the years, and a wall of nothing but photo booth photo strips, then another wall of nothing but stickers, another wall of nothing but posters, another wall of nothing but Polaroids, and you look at these pictures, it's oh yeah, there's Kim Thayil from Soundgarden, man, and everyone's got a story about him, and everyone's got a stack of CDs, and everyone's got a set of headphones on, you can tell that they love what they're doing, and they love the music, and they're doing it the right way. you got to take some time to look at their website, and they're very candid with their kind of history of you know, how they, uh, <clears throat> in some ways, grew too wrong and not the best way for growing. But they managed to keep it on track and now have something maybe better than ever going on. So that was a real treat for me. Now, I took some crappy snapshots of it with just some camera phone just for posterity. So if you're really inclined to kind of get a general gist of what this stuff looks like, you can check out the Flickr stream and there's a wee set of that. In Austin, since uh, everyone's got a Canon 5D, an Nikon, something this wrapped around their neck. I kind of abstained from taking snapshots, except took like one or two a day with my camera phone just to capture a few uh, fleeting moments, like nights at the Ginger Man drinking stellar beer. You know, the first night I went there, it was so bad, but it was like a uh, like a whole like big meetup for everyone's got their own web companies there that you know of because they're missing a vowel or have some strange spelling. And then I went there another night and just chilled out, and it was all nice and mellow, but man beer selection there was just something to behold so Seattle included Sub Pop so that was a real trip what did I mention I went home with a box of about 30 CDs um, yeah I didn't even finish this story for you with a whole bunch of yeah, reissue of Super Fuzz Big Muff the Mud Honey Classic reissue of Nirvana Bleach with a big pull out uh, booklet with all kinds of rare uh, and unique pictures uh, plus stuff from 
the Shins, who they made, Sub Pop makes wooden albums for their artists who obtain 100,000 sales, because the gold album is 500,000 in the States, and that's a lot. So they make a wood album, and they hang all the golds and platinums and woodens up in the bathroom as a little bit of uh, uh, an appropriate memorial. At, uh, so I got a, a, um, Iron and Wine and Wolf Parade, and, and they didn't put out albums for those, uh, those funny fellas, the uh, Flight of the Concourse. What do you know, hey? And Constantine's. I hadn't even realized that Constantine's uh, were sub-pop before their arts and crafts. So dig, I went home with a bunch of cool souvenirs, and then I went uh, into the shipping uh, room, shipping warehouse, and there's Mark Arm, superhero of Mud Honey, uh, packing shipping crates. And I, I, I got to say, you know, like, uh, I met a lot of famous people and smoked dudes with a lot of, like, rock stars or, you know, I'm not saying a lot and not, I'm not saying, you know, whatever, right? Maybe you get my meaning. I've been around a bit. But I totally dorked out on Mark Arnold. Like, yeah, yeah, will you sign this for me? And he signed it with a little anarchy sign. And, and I asked him when the next, next Monkey Ranch album was coming out. And apparently I hadn't done my research and learned that they just came out with one a few months ago, which was a little side project he had done. Asked, uh, talked, told him about playing Mud Honey on the Grateful Dead tour a lot. And he kind of got a chuckle out of that. And, but I, what can I say, man? The guy is a superhero. I've driven 12 hours in a van to see, to see his band play. And I couldn't really come up with much interesting to tell him. But here's to you, Mark Arm, and I hope I didn't dork out on you too much, hey? So my next stop here is to rendezvous with uh, Traveling Companion for the Red Eye to Toronto. And, well, along the way, I'm hoping to check out the scene on, uh, you know, uh, on Young Street, Youngsterdam. There's a bit of, uh, there's certainly some cannabis culture. In some ways, they probably surpassed Vancouver in the openness of of, uh, of the culture, so going to investigate some of that and scout around and maybe try to connect with some old friends and do a little bit of transit exploration and see a few neighborhoods if possible. So until then, chuglers, well, you, you, you just keep on chugling and doing what you're doing.